0: We're traveling down to the borderlands to meet one of the hardest working men to ever wear a mask. Snappers, I proudly present to you.
1: Cosano!
0: Lucha Libre is very um, alive. You get there, the ring is there, the chairs are there, music is going, cumbias and salsa, and the mascaras are are passing by to be sold. All of a sudden, lights go down, and music gets up, and the smoke comes out, and it's Lucha Libre time, and then people just bring their lungs out. For lucha libre Mexicana for the most part there's no 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 predetermined like you're gonna lose or you're gonna or you're gonna win. Uh, everything is decided in the ring. I'm gonna win because of my talent or I'm gonna lose because I don't have the talent.
1: Just like in the US, where we've got The Rock and Hulk Hogan, luchadores have stage personas Lacer, El Hijo del Santo, La Pantera Rosa, the Pink Panther. Cassandra was the best wrestler in his gym, but he still didn't know who he was in the ring.
0: When I became a wrestler, I started, like everybody else, with the mascara, with a mask and, uh, and my trunk and my little wrestling boots, and that was it. That was all your gear. And, but I knew that I didn't feel comfortable. I didn't like it. I was like, yeah, it feels good, but this is not me. And then when Pimpinela came aboard, she's like, yeah, I've been there. So we related a lot. I just met Pimpinela into that Juarez at the gym. Pimpinela was very, very skinny, and he, he, he's super tall. And um, uh, you can tell he was from a low-budget family. He was struggling. And I was like, oh, this is a new one, new one on the block. And then it, and Pimpinella would say like, oh, who do, you, who do you think you are? We never got along so good until we, after we started wrestling each other and kicking each other's butts. And that's how we just became like big, big sisters. You would have known just by seeing us or hearing us or that we were, uh... We had a different sexual identity. Uh, I was training in the gym, and one of the old-timers, he was very famous from here, came and and they were looking for an exótico in the biggest company that Juárez had at that moment, 1988, and guess who they picked? They picked me. Exóticos is like like a flamboyant uh, wrestler, Uh, Not necessarily an exotico has to be gay because there has been a lot of exoticos that are not gay, that are bisexual, or that that are even transsexuals. They were like the clowns of the circus. And that's what I didn't want. I didn't want to become a clown of the circus. I didn't want to become one that the people laughed at me. I want to become one that people applaud and recognize my talent in the ring.
1: Cassandra wanted to be a champion. He also knew that Mexico's three-time world champion, El Hijo del Santo, had said publicly that he wouldn't wrestle exoticos.
0: El Hijo del Santo has said that he wanted no, nothing to do with an exótico because one time Rudy Reina had the nerve to try and kiss him in the ring.
1: So if he took the company's offer, he might never get to one of those big arenas. But this was his only choice. Join the company and wrestle as an exótico, or don't wrestle with the company.
0: You know that every luchador's dream is to wrestle in the big arenas and with the big companies. And that was my calling. So I just said, okay, with a lot, I was very scared, very nervous because I was gonna be an exótico.
1: After the recruiter approached Cassandro, he and Pimpinella decided to move to Mexico City. Moving meant bigger matches and better opponents. But they weren't going to get anywhere without a look.
0: The other exóticos weren't able to use makeup, no pantyhose, no bathing suits. They would just use like trunks or singlets. And when we got together and we talked about it, we said, what do you want to wear? I said, bring the feathers and the glitter and... Let's just bling bling ourselves a little bit more and we'll take it from there. If we're gonna be exóticos, let's do this revolution. Let's go all out, we're gay, and let's just be true to ourselves. And let's see how the audience and the promoters and everybody else looks at us. I was hit harder I was pushed down harder, and I was slapped harder, and I was spit on my face more times. I think that I had to do double the work that any normal male human luchador would do. Because first, I'm already labeled and tagged as a homosexual. Normally, the good guys are the ones that do all the great stuff, the flying, the, the, the suicide topes and everything. We're not just jesters. We have this talent. We like to walk in the ropes and fly outside the ropes and inside the robes and and do all these rolls and, and gymnastic stuff. And then word got around that I was good, that I was um, respectful, that I was disciplined. And then it took less than a year. Then the company said, we're going to give you an opportunity with El Hijo del Santo for the championship belt.
1: Yeah, that El Hijo. The same legendary luchador who said he'd never wrestle an exótico. The promoter handpicked Cassandro from a sea of newbie wrestlers to take on the three-time world champion.
0: I was just like, oh my God, I'm getting a big chance with El Hijo del Santo, the biggest legend of Mexico, and here I am, an exótico from Ciudad Juárez. The match was gonna be January 28th, 1991. You know, in Mexico, the biggest uh, sport after soccer is lucha libre, so we had the press. And, And for the most part, a lot of them were, like, against me. Like, why would he do a championship match with El Hijo del Santo? Why can't they pick somebody else? And I was like, well, there's a freaking reason why they chose me. And I'm gonna show you if you just let me do that match.
1: El Hijo del Santo never responded to the negative press. Some fans and reporters were calling for him to cancel the match, but he stayed silent.
0: That all got to me because it was a very happy moment in my career. But in my emotional and in my life, then I started, like, not believing in me and putting doubt on myself.
1: One week before the match, Cassandro and Pimpinella went out to see a few Lucha Libre matches at the biggest arena in Mexico City. When they got to the stadium, the press ambushed Cassandro.
0: The, The question was, like do you think you're fit for the for the match and they would scream stuff like that and and I think I I tried to put the best face that I could and I didn't say nothing and um when i got home in the bathroom I don't know what what triggered it or what happened, but I just knew that something was not feeling right and when I stand up, there was a window right in front of me, and there was a razor right there and I don't know what triggered it or how how it happened. It's just one of those things that just happened i ro- i i um put my arm up got the razor, put it in my mouth, cracked it open, got the knives out, and started cutting my wrist on my um, left hand. And I continued to cut in my wrist on my right hand. And it was like a slow process for me, because I still, <laughs> I'm remembering right now just everything, how it happened, and it, It was just a moment where watching the blood run was okay for me. And Pimpinella came in and he saw me and I was already sitting in the floor uh, with my hands bleeding. And he came in and got me and just um, carried me on to the living room. We called um, the doctor and you know they fixed me but I had some bandages on my wrist and so I had to wear long sleeves and I didn't like it and, and I didn't want nobody to know of course but you know it, the, the word was going to get around and um, so I decided like you know what you're already down get up pick yourself up and go forward do it the fight was on a Thursday and it was a uh in, in the arena, pista arena revolución in Mexico City, eight p.m. And then going to the arena was just like, Whoa. and when I walked in the dressing room, I remember I was like, I was shaking. And I had taken Pimpinella with me because I said, Pimpinella wasn't going to wrestle that night. But I said, Pimpy, you got to go with me. Come on, you got to go with me. You got to be at my corner. You got to be my second. And, and he's like, all right, I'll do it. And he said, look, you're going to be okay. Do the best that you can. Don't let the people or the nervous get you. Here, take a sip of this tequila and it will help you. And then all of a sudden they go, "Okay, you guys, we're ready for you. And they go, Cassandro. And there we go. Cassandro El Exótico is the Liberace of the Lucha Libre, La Diva del Ring. Once they put that song on, I will survive. Ladies and gentlemen, Cassandro. And the doors open. That's my moment. I, I, I come I walk out with my big long tail gown and people are like wow look at this guy and I have my makeup and the glitter and the bling bling and I'll do that catwalk. We start our match and and that's the time that you have to put every all your knowledge to work. So we start wrestling like doing one move after the other one, and then the people were just like, oh, wow, that is very pretty. And then I would shine, he would shine, and we started doing our moves, and that's how you get the recognition, because that's how you're telling them, see, I, I know how to wrestle. This is this is how I defend myself. In Mexico, uh, normally matches are three faults and um, I picked him up on the third rope and put them on my shoulders and put them on a hold. I won the first fall, and then he won the second fall with a tope and I think the tapatia. When I would go to my corner, Pupinpi would, uh, would do air with a towel for me, and I hear the reaction of the people, which is very important because those are the ones that keep you going. And then the third match, is, the third fall, is when everything goes, the oven like you gotta throw everything you know there but you're already tired though it just came to a moment where i couldn't go anymore further but i knew i had done enough like to prove myself and i was like okay and once he pulled me on his um de a caballo on a hole that he's called it's like a horse uh, i was i was done i was done I could my back was done and I just tap out. And that was it. And then everybody was kissing my after that. All the reporters that were dumping on me, they were all like, oh my God, that was great. Good job and all this. And I'm like, wow, are you serious? I felt good. I knew that I had done enough work to be recognized and to shut the mouth of all those guys that were trying to be the joy killers.
1: Cassandra went on to have an amazing career,
0: Uh, So I went from wrestling El Hijo del Santo in 91 and winning the championship to winning it later on months after that match in November 29th uh, in Toluca uh, versus Lacer. And I get I get crowned as the first exotico to be the world uh, lightweight champion. And everybody was happy and La La Land was for me.
1: He became one of Mexico's most beloved luchadors. After two decades of professional wrestling, he was a cultural icon. The Louvre called Cassandro up in 2009 and asked him to reenact one of his favorite matches for Paris Fashion Week. He could pick any opponent he wanted. Cassandro looked back on 20 years of fighting, of fame, and he picked this match, his first fight with El Hijo del Santo.
0: And we do our matches, everything went well. So the next day, we we had three days off. And then I told him, like, hey, let's go to the Eiffel Tower, let's go hang out, let's have a talk. And he's like, yeah, let's go. And we were tired and went to have a cup of coffee. And I popped the question. <laughs> I'm like, hey, I'm curious. So how was it that you agreed to wrestle an exotico for the championship match? And he's like, what? I'm like, yeah. I'm curious, how, how did all this happen? He's like, you know what? Mr. Minus came and talked to me and he said, there's this wrestler, he's very talented. Would you give him a chance for the championship belt? And he's like, well, yeah, of course. Why not? And then they told him who it was, and it was me. And they said, Well, Cassandro, he's from Juarez, but he's an exotico. And he's like, Wait a minute, wait a minute. No, 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 no. So he said, So when they told me that it was you, I went to some of the events where you were fighting. And I don't know, something was different from you. And I liked your rhythm, and and, and, and it looked like you have talent. I knew you were too new for me, but then I said yes. And then when we fought, um, I knew I wanted to wrestle you. And it was very beautiful. And then he goes, how did you feel about it? I said, no, you don't even know what I went through about it. He's like, wait a minute, what are you talking about? And then I said, I almost died before the match. He was like, what? Yeah. I started showing him my wrists. He's like, what, Cassandrito? What happened to you? And you know what? We got to talk about it. And, and then we just hugged and embraced each other. He said, God, I didn't know you went through all this stuff just for a championship match. I said it wasn't for a championship match. It was for my opportunity to come, to show off, and thank you because because of that match. I know and I believe that my career took a hike, and it's been the most beautiful thing. Thank you, Cassandra, for sharing your story with us on the Snap. Now, Cassandra's got a lot of exciting things in the works, Snapper. She's got a book coming out, a documentary. Get in on this goodness. For all things Cassandra, visit us at snapjudgment.org. The sound design for that piece was done by Leon Morimoto, it was produced by Eliza Smith.